Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Hey Antioch, happy Sunday. I am so excited to be with you guys this morning in your kitchen, your living room, your office, wherever it is that you are streaming. Welcome to church. And I just want to say off the bat, I miss you guys. I miss coming together on Sunday mornings and hugging you and hearing about your weeks, actually worshiping next to you, not six feet away from people, but worshiping together. And, you know, this is a really weird time. Can we just be honest? This is weird. And JD and I were talking this week that the quarantine, the stay at place, we're really starting to feel it. You know, at the beginning, it was a little bit of a, an adrenaline rush in some ways, rushing around to figure out what we're going to do with our kids' homeschool and figuring out what the news is saying and what we're supposed to do and coming up with contingency plans and, and getting supplies. And, and now the rush has sort of started to fade away and we're left kind of looking around thinking, well... Here we are, you know, this is our new normal for right now. And so we're feeling the fatigue that comes after the adrenaline rush, the slump, the boredom, the monotony, and it's all really starting to wear on me. And you know, um, we're, we're weeks into what feels like Groundhog Day, right? Weeks into the boredom, weeks into staying in the same space that we've been in over and over again, seeing the same faces on our Zoom calls, weeks into feeling isolated and lonely, weeks into standing on little squares at the grocery stores, six feet apart from the person in front of us waiting to get in. And even then when you get in, you don't know what you're going to find and what you're going to be able to come home with. And a few weeks ago, I actually sent JD to the grocery store to get some things for us along with every other person in America. And something you may not know about JD is that He gets really fixed and obsessed with things and deep dives into them. And so right now, it's plants. He's super into plants. So I sent him to the grocery store, and he came home with five fiddly fig trees. Five. Now, I love fiddly figs. I'm a 30-something-year-old female. We all love fiddly figs. But if you ever had a fiddly fig tree, you know that they are very particular about where you can put them. And we already have a ton of plants in our living room. On the side of our living room that has all the windows, we already had a whole bunch of bright light plants there. Then he comes home with five fiddle leaf figs. And the only place they can go in our house is where there's already a forest happening along that far wall with the windows. So now we have just several feet deep of plants against one wall of our living room. And then on the far side, where he doesn't get the natural light, it's the more low light, there's absolutely nothing. It's the most unbalanced room. An interior designer would be stressed out about this. And so JD and I, we've been looking at our living room thinking, this is like, we got to get some green over on this side of the room. And we've begun reading about low light plants, plants that grow in dark places. And As we were doing this over the past few weeks, it's almost like the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and teach me a little bit off of that, that there are some things that grow in the shadows. There are some things that grow in the dark places and not just survive there, but they actually thrive. 
they come alive in those places. And I began to think about it and realize that actually that happens all over nature. You know, on a, a wood, the floor of a forest, there's moss that grows under the shade of the trees. Or you think about the ocean and the floor of the ocean. It's pitch black, you know, but you watch those documentaries and it's totally black. And then the camera crew shines the spotlight on and you just see this whole world down there of colorful fish and animals and plants and coral and just this entire life down in the dark bottom of the ocean. And, and it's a key part of the ecosystem of the ocean. You know, the things that we all love when we go to the beach, the, the dolphins, the fish, all the things that are up on the top layer, they exist because of the ecosystem and the world that's down on the bottom, the world that lives in the darkness. And there are some things even now that only grow in us in the dark places because we as humans, in some ways, it's almost like there's an ecosystem to our soul. There's parts of us that grow in our faith and our walk with Jesus and our character in the bright places, in the happy moments and seasons of life. But it's an ecosystem. In our soul, there's parts of us, of our faith, of our walk with Jesus, of who we are as people that grows and matures in the dark, hard seasons as well. And you know, our society is suffering right now. You don't have to look far to hear and see suffering in our world. You know, this COVID-19, the virus and everything, for some of us, it's, it's a mere inconvenience. It's just frustrating, it's annoying, it's boring. For other people, it's really stinging. It's affecting income, it's affecting relationships, plans, weddings, graduations. For other people, it's, it's devastating. It's an entire loss of a job or maybe a loved one who's been sick. And even if you are somewhere in between on that spectrum of annoyance and devastation, we're all experiencing suffering, grief, pain, and hardship to some degree. And I mean, scripture tells us to weep with those who weep. And it's not hard to hear the weeping of our society right now. And the pain in our world is evident. And culturally, we're not always the best at dealing with pain. At least I know I'm not. We live in a culture where when things get hard, the advice we hear a lot and even give to each other tends to go something like this. Get over it. Move on, right? You have that breakup. You have that disappointment because you wanted that promotion at work and it goes to someone else. And the advice we get, the, the messages we hear are, get over it. Move on. And man, if only it were that simple. Like, it would be amazing if we really could just move on and get over it. But but we can't. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that. It eventually catches up with you. That advice of get over it, move on, doesn't work. And that's because when we face suffering and hardship and pain, we can't get over it. We have to go through it. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is what does it look like scripturally to walk through suffering? And our key verse this morning is going to be Romans 5, 3 through 4. And it says this, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. See, our pain has the power to produce something in us. There's a common phrase that I know I have told people a lot and I'm sorry if I've ever told this to you, and I've had it told to me a ton too. And it's this, what doesn't kill you 
makes you stronger. Sounds awesome, right? But I have learned through life that really my version of that quote is this. Instead of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I think it's more appropriate to say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or leaves you half dead. The truth is we are going to come out of this crisis one day. We all will. I don't know when. I don't know how. But we're going to get to the other side of it. And the way that we deal with the pain, the pressure, and the suffering of what we're going through right now is going to determine if we come out stronger or if we come out half dead. Let's think about the pain of loneliness, right? We're all feeling lonely in some capacity. For some people, it is you live alone, you're single, and it just pushes on that button. For some people, you are in a house full of roommates or a family, but there's just still that sense of isolation because maybe you're an extrovert and you have not been able to leave your house in weeks. And that pain and pressure of loneliness can produce in us an empathy, right? It can produce compassion for people. You know, I know for me, I've thought, wow, this sense of not knowing when I can go to the store and if the store is going to have what I need and (laughs) anyone have toilet paper, you know, just these inconveniences, it's really put a compassion and an empathy in me of that there are people even in our city and around the world where that's their normal. Food insecurity is their normal. Not knowing where their income is going to come from is their normal. And we can allow this hardship that we're going through to stretch our relational capacity for compassion and empathy for people in our community who maybe feel isolated all the time. Whether it's minorities, subcultures, refugees, we can allow what we're feeling to grow and produce an empathy in us. On the flip side of that, we can allow the pain and the isolation and the loneliness we feel to, instead of tenderizing our hearts towards others, to callous our hearts towards people. To say, wow, that was so hard. I never want to feel that way again. And so instead of tenderizing and leaning into people, we self-protect and we can isolate and say, I don't ever want to feel that kind of pain. So I'm going to make sure no one can ever get close enough. And I'm going to get stubborn and set in my way so that I never have to feel vulnerable to that kind of pain again, right? That's just one example of how what we're dealing with can either make us stronger or half dead. And if you go the stronger route, our relationships will be better because we're going to have an empathy and a compassion and a tenderness for one another like we've never had before. On the flip side, we also might self-isolate and self-protect and put up walls around us that shut relationships out and have the opposite effect of what we want to have, which is connection with people. And then we walk around feeling half dead inside. So let's look at that scripture again in Romans. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. There's a process outlined here in this passage of how we can walk through pain, grief, and suffering and come out with character and hope on the other side. So perseverance, what does that even mean, right? 
So perseverance in the Greek can also be translated as endurance or patience. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, this has been a great opportunity to grow my patience. I'm in my house with my four amazing children whom I love, and I have gotten many chances to grow my patience. All of us are in our homes waiting, our patience is growing, and uh, we are developing some endurance, right, through all of this. Now, here's the thing. You can go through suffering without growing your endurance. You can just grin and bear it until this is all over, and you'll survive, you'll make it out the other side, but to let it produce life in you, to let it produce something in you is a choice. It's a choice to lean in and have hard conversations with your roommates. It's a choice to give grace to your spouse, who's now your coworker, that leaves their water cups all over the house, which is me. <laughs> I'm the coworker that leaves my mugs and my water cups everywhere. You can pray for JD that he has extra grace for me. It's a choice to be generous with others when your own needs are mounting. And it's a choice to lean into the truth of who you know scripture says God is, even when the world around feels like it's chaotic and falling apart. See, it's a choice to allow this to grow endurance in us. And sometimes we don't have a choice about going through hardships and going through hard things. This is an example. None of us chose to be here right now, but we do have a choice about what this situation is gonna grow in our lives. Our suffering is bringing endurance and that endurance is producing character. Now character in this verse in Greek is translated as, as a proven character. It's not an inherent trait that you're born with. You know, there's just some people that have those really sweet personalities and they're always kind and nice. It's not talking about that. It's talking about something that the word actually is also used in Greek to talk about forging a metal, to strengthen it and purify it, to shape it into a weapon or a tool. That's what this is talking about, of allowing that perseverance to develop something in us that was not there before. It's an intentional choice. And this concept of suffering and pain producing something in us is actually found all throughout scripture. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Um, remember earlier, I mentioned that culturally we're not that great at enduring suffering and hardship and dealing with loss and grief. And, you know, culturally as Americans especially, it's something that we tend to think should be avoided at all costs, right? We don't talk about things that might be awkward or uncomfortable. Even though it may let our relationships with people we care about go deeper, we avoid it because we don't want it to be awkward or uncomfortable, we charge vacations on our credit cards and go into debt because we want instant relief from whatever feels uncomfortable, boring, that we want to escape from. We design our lives so often around what is going to be the most comfortable path of least resistance. And we miss so much of what we can learn through suffering when we do that, because as believers, our goal isn't to get to heaven with as few scars as possible. Our goal is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And part of that 
happens as we endure and persevere through suffering. Not that we look for suffering or try to cause pain so that we can walk through it, but because there are moments in life that are hard. Scripture is full of verses about what to do in those moments because it knows that life is full of those kinds of situations. And it's an opportunity for us as believers to say, hey, this isn't pleasant and I'd rather not do this, but I'm gonna lean in and I'm gonna persevere and I'm gonna let it build character in me so that I can reflect Christ more than I did before. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope, I mean, man, we all need hope right now. You need help. I need hope, Austin needs hope. And we oftentimes try to go straight from the suffering to the hope at the end and skip the middle part about perseverance and character, right? We just try to go from, this is hard, I'm just gonna jump to the hope at the end. But when we do that, what happens is we don't really get hope. Those are more statements and thoughts of optimism and positivity, which are great, but they're not hope. Optimism and positivity are not an anchor for your soul when you walk through suffering and hardship and pain. There's no substitute for real, genuine hope. See, when you look at this scripture in the Greek, hope is a noun, it's not a verb. It's not something you are desiring and wishing for, like, I hope this is all over soon. The hope that this scripture is talking about is something, it's a noun, it's something you can actually have, that you can actually attain. It's not wishful thinking. Hope is not wishful thinking. It is confident knowing. And what this scripture is saying is that we have the ability to have a hope that is a confident knowing that God has been good and he will continue to be good because when you've endured and you've leaned in and you've let the pain and the suffering forge a faith in you, you have seen God come through and meet you in powerful ways. And when you've experienced God like that in the dark places, that's when hope is birthed in a new, fresh way in our souls. And I mean, if you're anything like me, I think all of us though still try to skip that middle part, right? Like, why can't we just have hope immediately? If we know Jesus, don't we just have access to hope? He's omnipresent, he's always with us. He's love, he's hope, he's all these things. So why do I have to persevere and endure? Can't I just tap into hope immediately and instantly, right? Well, yeah, you can, you do always have hope. But having something and knowing how to use it are not the same thing. I really felt this a few years ago. Two years ago, in 2018, I had a stroke. And my stroke took out all of my right side. I couldn't use my arm, I couldn't use my leg, I had trouble moving the right side of my face. It affected me in so many ways. And I had to relearn how to write, to talk, to walk. I had to relearn all of these things. And I spent several weeks in ICU after my stroke. Then I went to a rehab hospital. Then I did physical therapy for months after that. And can I, can I tell you something? It is a very strange feeling to be sitting there and looking at a part of your body 
but not be able to move it. Like I remember I would sit there and I'd look at my hand and I would think, okay, I need to brush my teeth. There's my toothbrush. There's my hand. And I'd think real hard and my hand just wouldn't move, right? I'd be like, come on hand, pick up the toothbrush and do it. But it just wouldn't work. And it wasn't that my hand was broken, my hand was fine. My hand knew how to do all the things. It had the strength, it had all the stuff it needed in order to brush my teeth, but I just couldn't access it. My brain didn't know how to tap into the hand that I already had to do the thing I need to do. And that's kind of what hope is like sometimes, right? Like we have hope, but there's, there's work. And you know, it took work for me to learn how to access and connect with my hand again. It was boring, it was hard, it was monotonous. Obviously, I eventually got there, but it took hard work to learn how to access and use something that I already had possession of. And verses like we hear in scripture about, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart, began to make more sense because I would always read things like that and think, well, why do we need to find God if we already have God, if he's omnipresent, if he's always with us? Like, what do those mean? And I began to learn my occupational therapist, Carly, would always say, Liz, just find your finger. Just start with trying to find your finger. Find your foot, find your toes, find your mouth, find all these things that I already had. But I had to do the work of learning to find them again. And those scriptures started to make more and more sense that sometimes, yes, we have hope, but it takes some hard work. It takes some endurance and patience to find it again. And I made a really great friend in therapy. And her name was Barb. And I'm actually going to show you a picture of me and Barb right now. So I loved Barb. And here we are giving you our game faces because we were about to have a balloon volleyball match. This next picture you're about to see is our balloon squad. Our name was the Happy Hitters. Can't make that up. The Happy Hitters. And Barb and I were teammates on the Happy Hitters. And we were a great uh, balloon volleyball team. Not kidding. We had so many victories. But when Barb went home, it was really hard. And it wasn't hard for me that I just lost a friend in my rehab hospital. Because I did. I missed her. But what was really hard for me about Barb going home was that she got to go home before me. Because we were both going through something hard together. And then she just was able to find her finger faster than I was. She was able to get her walking back and her speech back and, and all of those things. And I was still struggling. And Barb, she aced it and she got to go home. And it was really heartbreaking for me. It was really discouraging because I compared my pace and my process to Barb's. And I felt like a failure that she got there before me. And I think... There's a chance for all of us to feel that way even now in this situation. We can look and see people and we can see their Instagram feeds and think, wow, their marriage is doing so great through all of this. Why is mine not? Why are my husband and I fighting all the time? Or my roommates seem to be handling this so great, but I keep feeling just these depressed, heavy emotions that I don't know what to do with. Why is this easier for someone else than it is for me? And there can be a tendency as humans to compare our suffering to each other's. And then we can begin to get discouraged. And instead of getting hope, we're almost going backwards because we're comparing ourselves to each other. And can I just say that we're all in this together, but our processes are going to look different. 
And the things that come up in me that are hard about this situation are going to be different than the things that come up in you. They're going to be different than the things that come up in the person you're sitting beside right now as you're watching it. And you have permission to go through your own process. You have permission to go through what suffering needs to look like for you. And this is our time to find our hope, right? Just like Carly told me over and over again, hey Liz, just find your finger. This is me telling you, hey, this is our time to find our hope. See, my prayer for us all in this, not just in Antioch Austin, but the church at large, is that when we look back at the year 2020 and we think about, man, yeah, that was a year that we lost a lot, but it was also the year that we found our hope. It was the year that the church got its feet under it again in a way that it hadn't in a long time. It was a year that that the church grew and there was a depth in people's faith that was developed in that hardship. This is a year, I believe, that in the midst of losing a lot, that we are going to be a people who find our hope. How are we going to do that? Meet with God every day. Spend time in prayer. If you need help with that, with growing your worship and your prayer life, tune into Jesus Hour. Join a life group. And you know what? This is a time where we do all feel isolated, but you're actually not in this alone. We have a whole team here that wants to walk through this with you. So if you need prayer for anything or you need to talk with anyone about anything, JD would love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you. We have a whole team that's here. And actually right now, there's a QR code on your screen. You can just scan that and it's going to be a link and a form for you to fill out so that one of our team can get in touch with you. And you can walk through this with someone. You don't have to do it alone. We're all in it together. But you know, the truth is, is that we're all going to get through this. Guys, it's a weird time. It's a hard time. But we are all going to be okay. And we're all going to get through this. And my prayer is that we get through it and let the pain and the suffering we're experiencing grow and develop something in us that is going to bring life in the days to come. And as we wrap up our time together this morning, I want to actually read to you how this passage that we've been studying ends. Romans 5 verse 5 says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I love that it says that, because the truth is our hope doesn't come because we earn it because we endured well and we persevered well and we built our character and now we have hope. Our hope is actually here because God loves us so much. He loves you so much. As you're sitting there on your couch, on your chair, on the bar stool in your kitchen, he loves you and he sees you right now. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is your day. This is your moment. This is your year to find your hope. Because really, you can endure to the best of your ability and do your best to build character. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the hope that is promised in this scripture isn't available to you. But it can be. It can be right now. And if you're watching today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is your opportunity. There's about to be a prayer on your screen. And if you want a relationship with Jesus, pray this prayer with me. 
Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you died on a cross for my sin. I repent of my sins and I receive the gift of love and hope that you give to me. I choose to give my life to you and commit to following you. Amen. I'm going to close us out with a prayer. And then when I'm done, I want you to stay around because my friend Brittany has some great news and things you don't want to miss. Jesus, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people, even though we are all around this city. God, I thank you that we're still your people, Lord. And we ask, Jesus, I just pray a blessing of hope, of endurance, of peace and patience. God, that this scripture that we studied today would come alive in our own lives in the weeks to come. And we pray pray just a blessing, Jesus, over our city that they would find the hope that is available to them in Jesus Christ. Amen.